I'm excited. Wow. Okay, welcome to episode four. Um, today, we're typing JavaScript, or to be more specific, talking about TypeScript. And uh, we're in the interesting situation where I have used TypeScript in production. Uh, and so I think uh, from Simon, I think you have some questions about what I've experienced when it comes to, to TypeScript. I have so many questions and I'm going to be entirely selfish about this whole thing. So I'm deeply interested in TypeScript. Um, so I'm going to ask you what I'm interested in and hopefully our, our listeners will find that interesting too. But if they don't, I mean, feel free to ask your own questions. So I've used a, a fair amount of JavaScript in my life. Um, and it's been a mishmash of all sorts of interesting and crazy. And I'm always left with the feeling like we could do something better, um, short of sideloading a Python interpreter into a browser. <laughs> I want TypeScript to be that thing, but I don't know that it is because I've never actually used it much. Um, so I suppose my first question for you, I'm just going to dive right into it. What has the experience been like moving from JavaScript to TypeScript? Well, in terms of the experience, I think the the, the first reaction to TypeScript was, was quite visceral. I, I didn't like the idea of TypeScript when it first came out. And part of it was because I had started, so I started JavaScript development in Node before touching the browser. Which is very interesting because then you realize that that most of the things people complain about JavaScript, it's actually the, the the DOM API that they're complaining about. The language is actually fairly decent, uh, and it and it is a dynamic language. So once you learn how to move around in that space, it's it's not that bad. Um, and and I don't think I experienced many bugs that I would have attributed to to type issues. Um, I mean, there were obviously runtime bugs that you run into, but there were ways around it and I didn't feel limited by the language. But what I did feel limited by was the fact that TypeScript was compiled. Yeah. And that comes from a, a bad experience that I had with, with Xamarin. I'm still not a fan of Xamarin um, for a lot of reasons. Um, but one of them was, you know, I came from a background of being a native iOS developer using Objective C. So you're you're using the actual language that that is designed to run on this device. And then when you move into some a space like Xamarin, you are now coding with gloves on, essentially, um, and and big ones, thick ones, almost like gardening gloves or or welding gloves. Or Trying to do mittens. knitting with oven gloves. Yes, that. <laughs> Um, and, and so I was very skeptical about doing JavaScript in the same way. And I think early TypeScript was a little bit of a, of a pain. Um, and, and yeah, my first exposure to it was, was not voluntary. It was, <laughs> we were using Ionic, um, the Ionic framework, uh, to, to build a little POC and it, Ionic was uh, TypeScript by default. I think it was in the days of Angular 2. And yeah, but there was that particular project, the TypeScript build was set up in a very strange way. Um, 
did you know that at the time or were you too new to TypeScript to know that this was a strangely set up all? It was a requirement because it, it was an existing uh, thing. We attached the POC to an existing thing. Mm, it was very strange. Okay. Um, but, but some of the things that, that it provided were quite interesting. I found, especially since we play in the .NET world as well. Uh, you know, these, these patterns and concepts that revolve around having an interface and things like that, I thought was very useful, but I didn't, I didn't think it was useful enough that it required, um, you know, this whole build system. Cause that's the other thing yeah. it, you can either write in a, a native thing and have no build system. Um, or if you if you introduce this thing, you now have to add extra packages and an extra build system, and, and it adds time to your builds and a whole bunch of stuff that, or you have to have builds is another one. Um, especially if you're in the node space, it's it's the case of you could literally move the concept of comp compilation out, um, <laughs> and that improves your CI speed quite drastically. Um, but as as the language matured and as i saw bigger projects um not just these little one-man pocs i started to see the benefits of this sort of thing so uh, i've worked in in a in a very high scalable space where a thing would move from team to team and the interface was shared across teams and there was this object that basically represented all of the data similar to a store um but it was okay. kind of a roll your own store and in that case it it was very good to be able to enforce that this store had particular values in it so having an interface that actually represented this store was fairly important. yeah yeah that sounds um, like how in based javascript yeah, because people, if it was just a raw JavaScript object, people would just be randomly adding whatever values they need to the store and it would be massive. It sure. it was still massive and there were still duplications, but um, certainly not not near as, as many as there would have been if we didn't enforce this store. Yeah, sure. I mean, no technology solves the problem completely, but um, it sounds like that went a long way to reducing a lot of pain. Yeah. Um, and, and in other, t in other instances, um, in that same scenario, funny enough, well, in that, in that same space, when, when we were working with that client, I, I started something in JavaScript, a, a little tool to, to analyze some data. And I ended up converting some of it to TypeScript. Interesting. So I. And, and, and this was the, the other thing that I, I thought was funny about TypeScript because I've always found JavaScript great for prototyping or working with data that you're not sure is going to look like that when you're done with it. Um, yeah. What I think is a great example for, for dynamic types in, in any language, not just JavaScript, but JavaScript in particular, because JSON is so native to the language, is when you call an API, but you don't know what that object is going to look like. Um, it's very easy to work with in JavaScript. You like you, you pull that JSON object out, and you're just like, oh, um, it has this property, this property, this property. I can use those. Yeah. Whereas in C sharp, you would have give, been given this object, 
which you can also extract things, but it doesn't natively map to an object in the language. You've always got to go and, and dig in that object to pull stuff out, Where, whereas JavaScript is very easy to just look at it. But now if you start strapping a type onto this thing, you're losing that. You're losing that flexibility. So in what I did there, I was actually merging the, the two paradigms and only using the the TypeScript and the parts that I wanted it. So the object I wanted out, I knew what I wanted out. So I represented that with an interface. But, okay. but the data that was coming in, I was sort of just massaging into the shape that I wanted uh, slowly. That sounds um, lovely. So your own internal interface that you knew would never change because you were in control of it and an external interface that may change and you wanted something looser and flexible there. Yeah, and, and I feel like doing strict typescript i'm i'm not a, i'm personally not a fan i understand why you would um in in certain cases it's just that i've always at the end of the day had to interact with some sort of library or some sort of external service that didn't have typings or didn't have i mean you'll see this if you use typescript from a library um where that library doesn't have um, TypeScript typings built in. Um, and then if you're in strict mode, uh, you, it complains at you, uh, when you when you build. It's like, hey, this module doesn't have, and you're like, well, it's never going to have. And then it's like, well, you could define <laughs> them yourself. And it's like, no thanks, strict mode off, thank you very much. I don't feel yeah. like defining someone else's library for them. Yeah. Um, it, it, that just feels non-conducive to productivity. But So this is a question I think I had planned to ask later in this talk, but it sounds like it's coming up now. So it sounds like this is a place you choose not to use TypeScript. Um, so partially use TypeScript. Yeah, the partial use is, is a kind of thing that I like. And if we equate it to Python. Yes. Yes, again, because exactly. Python okay. added types, yes, yeah. and but it's not enforced everywhere. And I feel like yeah. that's a good paradigm in, to work in. I understand why people go strict because you get a lot of nice stuff. And if, you, if you're using libraries that are only um, libraries that have TypeScript typings, I don't see a problem. Um, and if you're not interfacing with external things that, that aren't rashing you about it, and maybe it's worth in your particular environment to actually add things. It's a personal preference, I think, for me to have a less strict form of TypeScript, which is pretty much just JavaScript with types. And I also yeah. get a whole bunch of ES6 features for free because I'm compiling. So I might as well compile with TypeScript than just compile yeah. with, with something like Babel. Yeah. Sure, that's so interesting. So you're kind of using it as a, a partially opt-in. So um, why this is interesting to me, because I'm working on a Python project at the moment, um, and we are using optional types, but we're not using them everywhere. We're basically mm -hmm. adopting them where they make sense to cement down a portion of the interface we know is dangerous if it changes, I suppose is the right way to say it. So it sounds like this is a, you're suggesting similar things. Well, I mean, I'm suggesting it out of personal preference. I'm not going to yeah. throw my toys out the cot if someone doesn't want to do that, and I can completely understand why. But yeah, I think absolutely. some of the benefit and some of the amazing part of TypeScript is that it actually allows you to make these decisions 
for yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure where I read it, but I, I read some, something where someone made a comment like, well, there's always this debate between dynamic typing and strict typing. And maybe there's a middle ground somewhere. Like maybe mm. the there's this medium that's actually the best uh, solution. You know, use the tool you need uh, to get the job yeah. done. And And if you think about it, now Python has it, but but TypeScript is pretty revolutionary. And and obviously, I, like I said before, I did not like the concept of TypeScript when I started, um, but yeah. I have changed my mind about it. And and part of it is that it it solved a particular problem, but it didn't force it down your throat, and it's configurable. Um, yeah. And, and and I think that's that's the the takeaway with it is that. You can use as much TypeScript as you want, or as little TypeScript as you want, which is fairly amazing. Yeah, that's really nice. I, I do actually feel like this is a place where we're moving to as developers. So if you'd ask someone 10 years ago, what do you recommend, dynamic typing or static typing, you would get a very heated opinion coming from somebody. Um, but now mm. we're starting to see things like optional types coming through in Python. Um, TypeScript as being optional types in JavaScript. You're also starting to see things like type inference in the static languages that are adding this layer of um, not exactly a dynamic nature to the languages, but uh, certainly it takes the sting out of working with everything in a static fashion. So I yeah. feel like we're bridging this gap between the languages and trying to pick tools that make sense rather than uh, have holy wars. Yeah, I mean, you could you definitely saw that when dynamic was added to to C sharp that there was thinking around well maybe something should be dynamic and certainly when you're working with JSON data again, um, oh, you know that that can be it can be quite a pain in C sharp funny, funny enough because if you're using those typical libraries where you have to define a class so that this thing can internally go yeah. and map itself to that class. Um, or you can work with the dynamic object or their JSON. Uh, they've got a, they've got a specific JSON type, but yeah, I don't know. It makes very little sense to me. It's hard to reason about that sort of code. Um, yeah. Whereas I've if seen you nothing nasty C sharp lands around JSON. Uh, there always seems to be some nasty trade-off that's made. And I'm not understanding the code or difficult to debug or slow or too rigid or so flexible, everything falls apart. I've never been able to find a nice place in, in C Sharp. Yeah, um, not not fun. Yeah, but but I digress quite aggressively. I'm not going to start in a rant about C Sharp. <laughs> we had to talk about TypeScript. <laughs> um, okay, so that sounds really interesting. I think that sets the, the scene quite nicely for TypeScript. Um, me as a developer, having never written TypeScript, I've got a background in JavaScript, I've got a background in C Sharp, and I've got a background in Java as well. Um, having seen TypeScript put on a, in an IDE, to me it looks like Rust, actually. Um, it looks like JavaScript <laughs> for the baby. So what kind of background do you think would be useful to have to be able to pick up TypeScript easily and run with it? What kind of programming languages should you know if you want to have a nice time? I mean, I, I think if you come from a dynamic background, um, having worked with types at all would be an advantage, um, no matter 
yeah. no matter where because if you think about it and, and i think it's becoming more and more common where you will get developers that have never worked in a typed space um wow, you, yeah, you know, sure. if you think about it because we're not only developers that have cs degrees you know and a yeah. lot of the world now runs off of javascript and python and it's very plausible to run across people that have never touched either of those things. I think the reason it looks like Rust to you oh. is because I think there's been a trend in languages very recently. Mm. Being a, a JavaScript fan, I actually started doing Scala because it was the thing about JavaScript that was interesting is a mix of object oriented and functional programming paradigms. Um, mm. I was looking for something else that was like that. That was more, you know, back endy, and and I found Scala. And <laughs> and if you look at Scala's syntax, it's got. It was one of the first, I think, of the modern languages. To swap the type and the yeah. And, and the variable around, so yeah. you you put your variable first and your um your type second. I think that's not a major change for someone coming from Java or something like that. Um, but but as you saw, saw things like the Kotlins and Swifts and even Go, all of them started doing this style of, of putting the types at the end. Part of yeah. it because they were an option in a lot of those languages. So yeah. in a lot of those languages, you could set it to a var or a let or something. You You, you didn't have to um you know put the type there if you were assigning the the variable immediately when you declared it so i i think that mentality is why they stuck it at the end in typescript instead of going the other way around um with with some like like what dart did or like the older languages like like java and and c sharp so what my um, eyes are seeing there is the modern skinning really when I say it looks like Rust. yeah, yeah, I I think so. I think if if TypeScript had, I, and I mean we've got Dart as an example to look at. Um, Dart was developed for pretty much the same purpose that TypeScript was, um, in a in a slightly different way though, in a slightly different goal. But it it was an idea of a scripting language in the Java that was typed, and we didn't. It didn't work out for them there. It seems to be working out in Flutter, though. Um, really does. Yeah, but but TypeScript, I think, chose to to look like that because modern languages all look like that. I don't think anyone has made a modern language in the past decade or two. Maybe D. I don't know when D came out. Um, but Certainly not popular language, I guess, is what you're saying. Not, yeah, not, yeah. Like they all seem to look like that. Yeah. I don't know. So, um, I mean, that addresses the modern skin. So my, my eyes see it as Rust. And then my eyes also see some JavaScript influence there. Is that what it feels like to you, writing a better JavaScript? Well, well, TypeScript is essentially JavaScript. It's just a superset on top of JavaScript. So, I mean... It it runs very much in line with JavaScript. I think the only things are the apps, um, and and that's the intention. It's it's supposed to be ES6 with types, uh, 
I kind of foresee a future, uh, and this is a bold prediction, where <laughs> types get added to JavaScript and TypeScript goes away. Uh, I see wow. that as a possibility because they are that close. They are the same language with types. I, I don't even... Like it, it just feels like Microsoft got impatient with the committee. <laughs> I think that's probably exactly what happened. <laughs> this is how progress is driven, I think. Um, so it feels very much like JavaScript, in other words. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. Um, so the obvious benefit is uh, from where I stand on the outside, TypeScript looks to be both statically and strongly typed. Um, is there anything else that I'm missing that brings new power to TypeScript that isn't just the types? Well, so again, that config file is interesting. Um, and, and one of the things is, so first off, um, just something I wanted to mention with the previous point actually was that TypeScript, any JavaScript is valid TypeScript. So any, 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 like JavaScript you already have, you can just put .ts on the end and you can compile it as TypeScript. Um, it might shout at you if you have <laughs> strict mode on, that's for sure. It'll be like, hey, you're missing, um, or, or this function just returns an any and this and that, and it'll complain through okay. the roof. Um, but you can also you flick those warnings. Yeah, warnings, okay. um, you can set them to errors if you like. Um, okay. So it won't even compile, it'll just shout at you. But you can sit in there, you can take that, edit none of your code, you can edit your TS config, and then make it not complain, and then it will compile. So there's wow. a lot of flexibility. And and yeah, it, it is statically and strongly typed unless you fiddle with the TS config enough for it to not. <laughs> <laughs> unless you break it, in other words. Yeah, um, <laughs> which is interesting um, because you, I guess you've got to watch that no one's slowly taking all your safety away. Mm. Um, you, you know, commit by commit, just just every release cycle, just remove some of the typings and go back to JavaScript. <laughs> that is completely plausible um, for something that, to, like that to occur. Do you effectively what you achieve uh, by doing that? Slowly migrate back to JavaScript by accident, but have some TypeScript hooked into your system. Yeah, I can I can see that I'm being true to it. I'm just saying, could one yeah, accidentally do this? You could totally do that accidentally. I mean, you could oh, still import, um, you know, a .js file in TypeScript. Um, obviously, that's yeah. great for backwards compatibility or importing modules that don't have TypeScript oh. or aren't written in TypeScript. It's almost a requirement. Um, but essentially, I still see it as a tool on top of the JavaScript language and less of, um, less of something else. I'm not sure why. Less of a language in itself and more of a, yeah. a, a, a thing. That said, I, I'm not sure why TypeScript won over concepts like Dart or concepts like Facebook, I think, had a thing called Flow, which added types to JavaScript. I just think their implementation was probably better, and that's, that's what won. Uh, it's, it's hard to say why stuff goes viral. Um, I mean, it really is. 
but um, it looks like TypeScript is a decent tool. I mean, it's 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 exceptional. Uh, what is that? Sorry, uh, Flow is JavaScript. I thought that was Python. I'm taking crazy pulls here. <laughs> uh, who knows with Facebook? Um, <laughs> maybe I mean Microsoft is quite. I don't know. I feel like in the big tech space, it takes a lot for people to be pro a Microsoft tool, you know, and TypeScript and Visual Studios uh, or VS Code stand out as things that I did not expect. I did not expect anything big from MS in terms of those types of spaces. I didn't expect people at Google to be using a Microsoft IDE and a Microsoft language. That that was, was the weirdest thing about both yeah. TypeScript and um, you know, and VS Code. Um, Absolutely, 100%. I've had a long and often frustrating relationship with Microsoft most of my life, all the way from the days of DOS and Windows 3.1. Um, <laughs> and VS Code is nothing like they've ever produced. And I absolutely love it. And speaking of VS Code, um, the interesting thing is if you use JavaScript in VS Code, even if you're not typing TypeScript, you're using TypeScript because they use TypeScript in order to bring you those um, autocomplete suggestions. I'm not sure wow. what they're doing in the background. Uh, but that, yeah, some, some shenanigans, but they're using TypeScript in order to achieve that. That, that is very interesting. So yeah. accidentally, quietly, I've been using TypeScript without even knowing that I've been using TypeScript. Yeah, you definitely have. And I think VS Code is also written in TypeScript. So. Makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Sure. So it seems like it's getting everywhere. If you look at the Stack Overflow surveys over the last couple of years, um, TypeScript has been way up there all the time. So it does look like mm. it's making a lot of headway within the community. And it seems to have effectively won this battle, at least for now. So it does seem to be I... getting its hooks into everything. I personally think that some of it is due to, like, I don't think all of TypeScript users are people that were JavaScript users. I think a lot of TypeScript users mm. were people that came from other languages or came from those those um, strictly or strongly typed languages in the back end, like C Sharp, mm. and and they felt safer in those environments, and also the could use patterns yeah. now that you couldn't use before. I mean, like the command pattern is is great, but it feels very unsafe when you're doing it in a dynamic language. But when you have interfaces, then yeah. you feel safe doing a command pattern. So I can definitely see why why it would bring over more people to worlds like the Node world and things like that. And I know a lot of people who do Node in the back end do use TypeScript because they, they feel safer with it. Sure, that's really interesting. It's nice to hear as well, because that has historically been my complaint with JavaScript. There's uh, <laughs> me, it's not, it's not the language, it's the, that the language lets me do stupid things and inevitably I do something stupid. Um, so to have a layer of safety on that sounds really attractive. Yeah, and, and personally as well, I mean, I like using the modern JavaScript syntax Yes. And unfortunately, Node still seems to natively be using require. I mean, oh, you can come use. On. There's reasons. There's very good reasons. I know but they are. You, know. you, you can 
I think use it with a flag, imports with a flag, but it's it's such little effort to go and add no I mean add TypeScript as a paradigm to your node service that you now get all of those ES6 features plus typing. So in, in fact, I'm not even sure I know how to do it with just Babel, you know, normal JavaScript. <laughs> so it's so much easier to just convert everything to TypeScript and, and let things be. Wow. That is extremely interesting. Yeah, well, that said, easy is relative. I think, you know, some people think doing backflips is easy. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, look, that's fair as well. Um, I'm always going to find it ridiculously easy to crack open a file, name it .js, mm. and start doing some stuff. Um, it sounds like TypeScript, you at least absolutely. Have um, and I would say the same. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to pull in two packages. Um, yeah, <laughs> and and possibly the typings of whatever you're using. So most things you can just pull in the typings by pulling, like for example, Express. If you want to pull in the typings, you just npm install at typings forward slash express. Yeah. Um, so it's certainly not not too hard of a thing to do, but you're in strict mode, your thing's going to shout at you if you don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a step involved there. So um, more than once in my life, I've uh, written a quick little JavaScript, uh, JavaScript script. Um, and literally paste it into an instant messenger and say, hey, dude, or do that, please just run this code. This is doing what I, I wanted to do. And um, mm. that's definitely not possible in, in something like Rust, or and it sounds like it's harder to do in TypeScript. Not impossible, but um, it wouldn't be my choice. I don't think that's a knock against the language. Yeah. It just kind of sets the scene for where it lives. And and I think that's, that, that's a very valid point, and that's probably why I don't reach for TypeScript hundred percent of the time. It's like it's sure. when I want types, then I'll yeah. reach for it. And 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 I'll I'll stick with my requires because they're fine. And that's that's a tiny little thing that sits at the top of your script and it doesn't really matter. Mm. Um mm. what matters is you know I'm not adding stuff that I don't need. And and TypeScript yeah. is is a thing that you should only use if you need it. And I don't think it's something that is 100% required in every category. Right. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, so my next question was a, a born of ignorance based off this conversation. Um, so what I wanted to know is how easy does it interrupt with the rest of JavaScript? And from what you're saying, it sounds like um, it's a silly question because it is JavaScript. Yeah, essentially, but but it's a good question, especially being in the, in the space. Um, and and like I said, if you're in strict mode and you start pulling in libraries, it might complain at you. Mm. Uh, there's various ways to get around it. One of them, like I said, install your typings. If there aren't typings, you can. There's ways to escape that. Um, mm. There's ways to also define the typings yourself. I, I'm not a fan of doing that. I think someone else can do that job. <laughs> um, but. I would, if if I need to, I think a lot of the times when I've chosen to bring in TypeScript myself, I've chosen to also switch some config stuff so that it didn't complain when I started pulling in JavaScript uh, requirements. But so much, especially in the JavaScript space and on NPM, um, you know, if you're using one of the main libraries that people use, you're going to get typings. It's just, yeah. it's so popular. 
um, that that essentially all of the big libraries that you would you, you would end up using in a production app. Like I, I would I would say that to the point where you know if you're using a library that doesn't have typings and, and now at this point it's like well how small is that library is it safe to use <laughs> yeah. is it left pad <laughs> <laughs> that is going to come up in every single session yes um definitely yes. left yes. pad this is the left pad show welcome to the left pad <laughs> kitchen um yeah um really interrupts with javascript to the point where if you it's actually very simple to switch a if you create a react application with create react app um yeah. and and you go and make a .tsx file instead of a jsx file and start doing stuff um and then you try and run it it'll say you need to install this in order for typescript to work here and then you oh, do it wow and then you can mix your ty your TypeScript and your JavaScript. You can have one component of this TypeScript and one component of this JavaScript and keep going. You, like, it's insane. Um, that's pretty th that's, grand, that's the level of interop that you get. So it sounds like you have access to all of JavaScript, effectively. And this might be yeah. part of the reason why TypeScript run, won over something like Dart, because Dart wouldn't have had um, access to all of those things. Whereas if you can tap into the JavaScript community, you've got, geez, everything. Yeah, I think Dart's final goal was also to be a a runtime, and TypeScript was was there to just be a superset of of JavaScript. That that yeah. was its purpose from the beginning. Just add a little bit of extra sanity, mm. much needed sanity. Sure. Okay, that's very interesting. Um, so my next question is born out of fear, I suppose. <laughs> um, I've worked on some fairly large JavaScript projects, and I've seen some of the bull chains that happen out there, um, and I'm still having nightmares about them. How much complexity does adding TypeScript um, add to your bull chain? Uh, I mean, in a Node application, it's as, as simple as just bringing in those extra packages. Um, it's, it's, I mean, it's a command line tool. It's just TypeScript, you know, whatever, and it, it does its thing. Uh, it's TSC. It's a TypeScript compiler, uh, and you know you can point it at a thing. Especially in, in with npm, it's um, it's quite seamless. I I would say it's easier to integrate than Babel, um, personally. So if you're using Babel, um, TypeScript is easier, and you get types. Uh, <laughs> so extra features, and, wow. and your life gets easier. Um, it's selling that quite well. Yeah, I did. Again, there's that whole weird thing where it, it would throw a tantrum about certain things if you're in strict mode. Um, but you could probably you'll resolve that. It's not going to be a problem if you're in your CI or something like that. I think. Yeah. Um, even I've seen some weird stuff happen though. Um, part of it's when you're in a not fully JavaScript environment because there's different ways that people end up doing TypeScript. Um, one of them would be, you know, the traditional way you would build any other application, which is basically have a single output file, um, which is minified and bundled and, you know, any, anything you need to do to it, shakes the tree, split it, whatever. Yeah. Um, 
but there's another type of, of TypeScript that I've seen quite a bit where if you're dealing in an IDE, particularly Visual Studio, not Visual Studio code, um, but, but you can configure it as well, is where people set it up so that the IDE compiles, like you have a TypeScript file, like, so you've got index.js, right? Or, or yeah. index.ts, and then you type some stuff, and then the IDE goes, okay, he saved the file. Um, let's compile index.js. And then it sits right next to it. Okay. And then whatever your folder structure looks like, it's just a bunch of .ts files, and then there's JS files next to them. And you're like, uh, <laughs> so, I mean, because, that's a pattern I'm familiar with from something like Rust where we need incremental um, compilation because our build times suck. Is that the reason that your IDE is doing that to improve build times there? Um, I think it's more a case of... Look, maybe that's the reason the decision was made. I, when I've seen this, I don't, I'm not sure uh, that, that it was done <laughs> intentionally fair. because... And it's fine in dev mode, right? Um, but but it's a bit strange. I feel like I expect the whole thing to be compiled. Maybe it's it's me thinking like a, a C developer or something. You know, I feel like when you compile something, a single object comes out, and a whole bunch of I guess libraries do that. But you know what I mean. Mm. It, it just feels yeah. strange. Um, but it's even stranger when your final put is a single binary anyway. So during development, you have a different uh, output. So essentially, yeah. that becomes a bundle in the end. Yeah. Um, and then you've got this weird caching thing where, you know, your running version is not the same as your dev version. And I don't know. It just gets worse. <laughs> there are yeah. ways to make this a pain in the butt. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, I would say, and this is advice with anything really, when you set up a project, build, build it in a way that you can do it without an IDE in the command line. If someone just gives you a terminal and the source code, you should be able to build it. Uh, I think that's excellent advice. Then you've complicated it because essentially you have to go to a CI at some point anyway. You have to build yeah. this thing from command line anyway. Yeah. And I think that the more your development build is similar to your production build, the better. If you're yeah. building a thing in a completely different way. So what I've so an outcome I've seen of this, which was very interesting, was essentially the build got split up enough that it it got across repositories. So there were multiple repositories for different components of this TypeScript thing. And Essentially, because, and if you did a requirement across repositories, it would work completely fine. So if you imported a library, so you're in, in, in repository A, you can import a library in, in repository B, and it will work. And then when you do your production build, it doesn't. And the reason is because these things do ah. minification. And so ah. because nothing on the outside is, so you minify something and it's exported as, let's say, the word translate, right? 
Yeah. But now because uh, when it gets minified, it becomes the function B. And uh, and then your repository A is looking for a function named translate. It if it was part of repository A, it would have been told because it was part of the same minification process. But because those build processes are separate, they now don't know what they are. Um, and, and that's the problem because when you're doing that just compile and place thing, you're, yeah. you can just see it, it. Well, it's not doing the minification there because mm -hmm. the build process is different. And, and that's just one of the reasons I don't, I don't like essentially doing that. The, the more your production build and dev build are the same, the, it's so much better. Yeah, no, look, I mean, I agree hundred percent with that. Um, I think you can get into situations where, where you need to have subtly different builds, um, but then you need to be able to trust that your tools produce identical or near identical systems. Um, yeah. And it sounds like I've seen this in JavaScript more than once in large JavaScript projects. It works on my machine. It works on staging. It does not work on live. Um, <laughs> and it's my favorite kind of bug here. Um, yeah. So it sounds like that hasn't gone away. We've inherited the, the same crazy JavaScript build chain. Um, there might be some improvements because we might be able to get away from Babel. But um, if you're coming to the TypeScript world and expecting all of the compilation crazy that we've had for the last five years to go away, you're going to have a bad time. I think most of those works all the way to staging, but then in production, it doesn't. Is A lot of it has to do with minification. Um, <laughs> Because yeah, you're literally changing the name of functions, and if if everything is not in context when that build happens, it doesn't know to do that. Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's that's probably a problem that you can generate in other languages as well, and in, in other interesting and painful ways, I'm sure. Um, but I've only ever really seen it in JavaScript, and I'm sad. Well, I think in in other languages, people know that renaming doesn't make things unreadable but <laughs> yeah i know look minification is a bizarre thing we, we originally did it because we thought that it was going to make our code obscure and now we do it to make small bundle sizes it's testament to the journey yeah, that's, that we've gone through that's what we say but then we've got like three megabyte websites you know um <laughs> <laughs> add all these frameworks so <laughs> It hurts because it's true. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, there's a whole bunch to unpack there. And, and one day we should talk about how the web got crazy. Um, but definitely a different day. Otherwise, you're not going to stop hearing me rant for the next four and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> um, so something that I found in Rust, which has almost converted me completely, um, the value of first-class tooling. Um, Rust yes. has changed my life. What's TypeScript's tools sit like? Well, I think when we discussed Rust, it was uh, VS Code, and mm. I, I pretty VS Code, as I mentioned before, is is written in TypeScript. Its its underlying JavaScript thing is TypeScript, so it's definitely the IDE for TypeScript. In fact, I would mm. say that primarily it's a TypeScript IDE. It, it was probably intended for that, and then just expanded <laughs> to everything. Um, the tooling is surprisingly good um, in the sense that I, I've, I've seen the, the progression of it, picking it up quite early on involuntarily and then dealing with it over a period of time. 
uh, <laughs> to the point where I started to like it. Um, definitely very simple way of doing things, you know. Um, but what's more is the, the community has stepped in in order to add functionality and a lot of normal JavaScript things. So, for example, um, there's like in Node, there's a thing called Node Mon, which essentially just keeps mm. building, um, well, keeps restarting your server. So if you if you type and you save, it'll restart the the server, and then you you, you know so you're constantly building. Um, and yeah, someone, someone converted something like that into TypeScript as well, so it's easy to do. Um, like I said, Express has added typings, so it's very easy to import. A lot of big libraries have done this. Um, so the support is really good from that, from the standpoint of IDEs and of libraries. Um, mm. and, and yeah, it's a simple compile tool. I mean, it's, it's not, and, and everything else is JavaScript. The whole infrastructure is still JavaScript. NPM is still how you pull in packages. Um, so it it really doesn't feel held back by tools at all or lack thereof. I think it's very well supported. V Visual Studio supports it. It supports compiling it. Um, I've seen C-sharp sure. projects that also have TypeScript in them and they just sort of work. Um, you, yeah, you know I how... they didn't work, but that's a different story. Uh, it's Visual Studio. It's like it's, it's playing not Russian the, roulette. It's not the project. It's the person who set it up. That's a different story. There's a lot to unpack. Yeah, sure. So it sounds like TypeScript has basically inherited all the JavaScript tooling because from what I gathered from this conversation, it is JavaScript, just on crack. Mm. Um, and my experience with the JavaScript tooling has been, it's good. It's good quality tooling. By and large, yeah. changes fast. So, I mean, this also dovetails quite nicely with my next question. Um, in Rust, the community seems to be both the best thing and the worst thing about Rust. Um, what's TypeScript like? Uh, so here's the weird thing. I don't think TypeScript by itself has a language community. Um, because it's, it's attached to JavaScript. I, I feel like the community is the same as the tool. It's, it's attached to JavaScript and it, it couldn't exist without it. Um, I mean, obviously with the exception of interesting projects like Dino, which is a, a TypeScript runtime, which is yeah. something that's fairly interesting, although Node is so embedded in so many places. I'm, I'm not sure how, Dino is basically Node with, that annoys you more when you compile it. So I'm not sure that. <laughs> I'm not sure people are going to take to that, uh, you know, every time you access a file, like, oh, I forgot the flag that says allow file access. Maybe in some instances, um, I definitely see it being useful um, in places like, you know, JSBin or something like that, those guys that allow you to run code on their yeah. server. I think they'll yeah. find that very nice because they won't, they won't worry about people passing in something that's trying to break out of their little sandbox. Yeah. Um, I, I can definitely see from a security standpoint for a high security thing where JavaScript code is being executed and it comes from the outside. Um, that's a huge win. Terrifying. But I don't see it being adopted like Node. Um, 
that's a prediction on Dino, but again, that's a pretty bold statement. You never know. Yeah, I think it's uh, hard to say. So I don't think Node is going anywhere. And I said for the same reasons that uh, there's still people out there writing COBOL. Uh, uh, Node is part of the world now. It ain't going anywhere. Dino might find its own place within the world, but I don't think it will replace Node. I'm, I'm excited for the next thing after Dino, which will probably be called Edon. <laughs> I'm just going to keep rearranging those letters. So I have no idea why they didn't start with Edon. That is actually better. Because maybe it's, it's its final form. You can't use the best name. <laughs> Pure magic. Um, is there anything else around TypeScript that you think that I might have missed that might be interesting to folks out there? Um, I, I, I think... Again, I, I would just like to highlight the fact that it everything is optional um, and, and it's configurable. So you, you can always make these decisions of, of how strict you want to be um, with your configuration. And, and I think that's the powerful bit about TypeScript. It's not that mm. it's, it's this one-size-fits-all uh, project. It's... It's strict, but not strict. You know, you can choose how strict you want it to be. And I think that's its real value. And pro that's probably why it won over the other things. Um, mm. You can't. And, and the fact that it's, it's, all, it's all valid JavaScript. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to give an advice or a thing. I'm, I'm going to give a hope. And the hope is that TypeScript goes away. Um, but in the sense that it goes away because JavaScript becomes TypeScript in the sense that it adds these options. Yeah. And, and we can then move, move forward with this typed JavaScript that runs everywhere, but is completely optional. I, I think that that should be the future. It sounds like a future I would like to be part of, to be honest. Uh, optional types in Python have mostly changed my life. So it would be great if we could do similar things out of the box. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got to say, you've, um, you've basically convinced me. I'm definitely going to give TypeScript a, a try. And in fact, I'm NPM installing it as we speak. So um, it's now a thing in my life. Um, I think you've sold it very well. It sounds like it's a really interesting language. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would, I would... Pick a paradigm to, to use it in um, or something. I think one of the things um, I, I would actually want, like to highlight is where I wouldn't use TypeScript. Um, yeah. And even though I've used it in React, I would say I'd avoid it. Um, some of it is, is just because it can get pretty crazy when you, you start having to type DOM elements. Um, if, if you're trying to define an API, it's very good. And, and this is the thing. When you choose TypeScript, I would say it's, it's in situations when you need to define an API because it's mm. so good at doing that and it adds so much documentation. And as I've said, when, when someone's using VS Code, which seems to be the de facto standard nowadays, is if you, if you created your library in TypeScript, there's so much more rich information um, in the IDE when you actually use 
a, a library that's been defined in TypeScript. Yeah. Even as a as a JavaScript consumer. Yeah. And so um it it just demonstrates how how valuable TypeScript is when you're defining APIs. Uh, but but yeah, when it comes to inside an application, it may be that a more scripting-like language is a little bit nicer because because if you're doing the strict type thing, it's really gonna like you gotta have, like find the types for a React DOM node and eh, it becomes a little bit crazy. Um, yeah. So so choose wisely when you use it, but I think you'll you'll find that out naturally um in node yeah, it's, start making mistakes yeah good to learn i in node i'd say it's it's almost if you're doing a a public node api um seriously consider it um mm. you, you know just because you, you get a little bit more safety around things but at the same time you can always convert later you can start a javascript project now and and stick in the TypeScript compilation tools later. Um, that's always an option. That's amazing. That sounds great. I'm excited. I'm going to give this a try. I mean, I think that's, that wraps it up mostly for the questions that I wanted to ask you. I have one more. Um, so we've yes, heard a lot the about new question. Your, the new question. We've heard a lot about what's cooking in your code kitchen. What's cooking in your food kitchen? Yes, indeed. Uh, this question we're going to do every week now, which is freaking awesome. I'm excited. Um, and, and I've got a whole bunch of stuff lined up. I went shopping today, so <laughs> a bunch of stuff. But I think to start with this question, I'll start with a thing um, that I did a lot during lockdown, which was because now you have to make your own lunch. Uh, terrible. It's, uh, Sad. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe, uh, especially if you worked in the tech space in places that gave you free lunch, that's really sad. Oh, uh, um, yeah, I hear you. Breakfast samosas for the win. Um, breakfast wraps, yeah. <laughs> all the things that you shouldn't be having for breakfast, for breakfast. Uh -huh. um, yeah, this is probably why I'm looking healthier as well. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, what I, I call it the lockdown curry, and it's basically find stuff in your fridge <laughs> and turn it into a curry. So, I mean, I had like leftover chicken breasts once, and I, I pulled, I used a fork and, and made like pulled chicken and then curried that with some vegetables. And, and I stuck them on noodles. I'm, I'm, I love the, the either rice noodles or egg noodles. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you just find leftovers and stuff and you mix them together and you make interesting curries with them. And they're, they're actually quite nice. Squeeze of lemon is the tip uh, mm. because it, it just gives it a more exotic kind of flavor um, and like a little bit of sweet and sour kind of thing going on. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. So random things that you find in your cupboard plus curry plus noodles. That is what's cooking in my kitchen. This <laughs> That sounds fantastic. <laughs> and on your side? So I, um, I actually came with a plan with a recipe that I wanted to talk about that I quite love, which is called cashew nut chicken. But um, I, I had a, it's delicious, but I will talk about this next week because something rather peculiar happened to me. I had a, a bizarre dream 
where I went to a Christmas dinner in the United States and had uh, marshmallow and sweet potato, which apparently is a thing in the States. So I made marshmallow and sweet potato bake today. And it's one of the strangest things I've ever eaten. It's delicious, but I'm not sure whether I'm eating cake or whether I'm eating potato bake. So if you're not from the States, I highly recommend giving it a try. It's super easy to make. It's very strange. Do you have a recipe for this that we could actually put in the description? Obviously, we can't have a recipe for add random stuff to your curry. But I think there is a recipe. I I will send you a link. Um, I'm looking it up as we speak. Sweet. It's literally sweet. sweet. Yeah. Um, So um, I highly recommend pairing that with some some pork loin and like a, a sharp salad. That's, that's my plan for it. We'll see how that goes. I'll let you know next week how that goes. Can you put it on the end of a stick and just hold it over a fire? I mean, it's sweet potato and marshmallow, so I don't see why not. Like a sweet potato kebab. Or a... <laughs> well, we, call them, we call them societies is the South African word, but good luck spelling that. I don't even know how to spell it. I don't think I have a clue. It is a thing always mentioned but never written. Yeah, like Hardyda. <laughs> I was an adult when I first tried to spell Hardyda, and it was an uphill battle. Even if you Google it, there's like five different spellings. <laughs> anyway, I think that basically ties us up for the day. So yes, um, indeed. Um, it's been an absolute to... learning about TypeScript. Yeah, go type your script. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So I've, I've enjoyed today. I hope everyone else has. If you've got questions or you want to make some marshmallow and um, sweet potato bake, feel free to hit us in the comments or post questions. Cool. Until next time, folks. <laughs>